The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. Thank you, Ty, for, for reading that passage for us today. And um, if you have your Bible still open there, you can be turning to Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4. And we'll be there this morning. want to uh, say a special thank you to, to everyone who helped with our youth day yesterday. It was a great success. And we couldn't have done it without all the volunteers. Um, also, thank you to all the parents who uh, allowed their children to come and participate in that. And thank you to all the kids who invited friends. We had a great turnout and had a great time. And uh, just appreciate this church and, and what they do. And, and especially giving their time to, to young people. That is so important nowadays. We are involved in a study on the book of Hosea. And so if you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, we've been going through this book. We've spent the last... Uh, uh, three weeks looking at the first three chapters, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But this morning, we find ourselves in chapter 4. And so as we begin, I want to read just the first six verses from chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel. For the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love. And no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore the land mourns and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and even the fish of the sea are taken away. Yet let no one contend and let none accuse. For with you is my contention, O priest. You shall stumble by day, the prophet also shall stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me, and since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Uh, as we begin to look at Hosea chapter 4, it's important to keep a couple things in mind. And I just want to briefly do an overview of the book. Uh, the first three chapters of the book are narrative. Uh, they tell the story of Hosea and his family. And so we learn about Hosea's calling and how Hosea is called to live out a, a certain situation where he is asked to go and to marry a prostitute and then to have children with her. And this situation that he lives out in his life is very similar to the situation between God and Israel. And so beginning in chapter 4, the book shifts. And it goes from narrative about the life of Hosea to sermons and messages that the prophet preached. And we shouldn't think of the book as being laid out in chronological order. It's not as if all these things happened to Hosea in chapters 1 and 3, and then he began to preach these sermons. These messages that we find beginning in chapter 4 were, were likely preached by Hosea throughout the history that we read about in chapters 1 through 3. And so these two sections of the book are, are closely linked together. And in order to understand Hosea, 
We must read these following sermons through the lens of what we find at the beginning of the book. And this is especially true of our text this morning. The sermon that Hosea preaches in chapter 4 is about knowledge. But it's not about facts. It's not about having more information. It's about coming to know God. And it's about our relationship with Him. In fact, this is what the entire story of Hosea is about. It is a story of a marriage where one person sacrifices everything for the other and is never loved in return. And so we are called to come to know God in a deep and meaningful way. We are called to love Him with all our heart, mind, and soul. This is the message of Hosea 4. And so the text before us this morning is a judgment. God has something against the people. And several things are mentioned here in this text, but the main thrust of the judgment is found in verse 1. This is the thesis statement. This is God's biggest complaint. This is the thing that needs to change right away. And so let's read it again. Part of verse 1, it says, There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. So the people of God are not faithful. They have failed to keep the covenant. There is no steadfast love. There is no mercy. They do not love God. They do not know him. What does it mean when the prophet says there is no knowledge of God? Well, the people know who God is. They know about God. They still go and worship God. But they do not know him. They do not have a relationship with God. They do not love the things that God loves. They do not spend time with God. They are not growing in spiritual maturity. And so their love for God is not deepening with every passing year. The knowledge that the prophet is talking about is described for us in the first two statements. It is a knowledge that involves faithfulness and steadfast love. And so what the prophet is demanding is not for Israel just to memorize a few more commands. This is not the issue. Instead, Israel needs to remember the covenant that God made with them. They need to be faithful to the God who has been faithful to them all along. They need to love the God who desperately loves them. We don't have to guess at what is going on here. Because we know. It has been laid out for us in those first three chapters of Hosea. God pursued Israel. He wooed her. He showered her with gifts. He bound himself to a people who were adulterous. And they kept on turning their back on the God who loved them. He was faithful when they were not faithful. He loved them even though they did not love him in return. They were in this relationship just for what they could get out of it. You know, they were not taking this relationship seriously at all. And if we're not careful, we can make the same mistake. We might become a Christian because we like the idea of going to heaven better than going to hell. But we never get serious about following God. We never develop a deep, 
meaningful relationship with him. We never work on strengthening our love for him. We're just in it for what we can get out of it. And we are using God. And we don't really care about our commitment to him. And Hosea warns that this is a dangerous road to travel down. Because when people fail to love God and love others, this creates a chaotic society where anything goes. And he describes what happens next. He says, there is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. And so when people do not respect God and respect others then they're free to just use and abuse people. Lying, murder, stealing, committing adultery, it all goes. And it's important for us to understand what is going on here. We might be tempted to look at this description and say, well, you know, that's what happens in a secular nation. That's what happens when you don't acknowledge God. And that may be true, and I'm sure it is. But this was not Israel's situation. The nation of Israel was a very religious nation. The worship of God was their national religion. They had not forgotten about God. They were not a secular nation. They had not stopped worshiping God. They were going to worship every week. But it just didn't mean anything. They were going through the motions, but their heart was not in it. They were not committed. And this led them to a life of immorality. It led them to a life where they harmed others and they treated people with disrespect. And this led to the creation of a society that no one wanted to be a part of. The sins that are listed here in verse 2 are related to the last five commands in the Ten Commandments. And so these are the commands that are being violated. But that's not all. Hosea begins, remember, in verse 1 with their failure to love God. And then he moves on to describe these other sins that involve loving others. And so when we look at the Ten Commandments, they actually can be divided into two categories. Uh, The first four commands relate to our relationship with God. And the last six commands relate to our relationship with others. In essence, you could say that the Ten Commands are about loving God and loving others. We should also notice that there is an order to these commands. The first command is given first for a reason and so on. When asked, What is the greatest command? Jesus responds by telling people to love God with all their heart, mind, and soul. And so some commands are greater than others. The command to love God is the foundation of all other commands. And if we don't start with loving God, then our view of religion is going to be skewed. If we don't start with loving God, then there is a good chance that we're going to get Christianity all wrong. Our vision of things is not going to be what it should be because we don't have the right foundation. Think of it this way. This is a a button-up shirt like I have on this morning. 
And when I go to, to put it on, I have several different options for buttoning this shirt. You know, I could, if I wanted to, start from the bottom and try to work my way up. I could maybe begin somewhere in the middle and try to go from there. But there's one proper way for, for buttoning a shirt. There's one way to button it that guarantees I'm not going to mess it up along the way or to, to get thrown off somewhere. And that's to start from the top. You know, if I start anywhere else, then I might, you know, get off track. But if I start from the top, then it's going to be right. Loving God is our top button. It's the place where we must start. It is the greatest command. And if we don't start with this one, everything else might be thrown off. The Pharisees kept a lot of commands. But they did not begin with loving God and loving others. And this meant that their view of religion was skewed. They missed the point. They did not get it. Because they did not begin with the right foundation. And this is the place where Hosea begins as well. He begins with faithfulness, love, and knowing God. How do we know God? This is an important question. It's a question that we should spend much time contemplating. What does it mean to truly know God? How do I deepen my relationship with someone I cannot see? And it's not always an easy task. And we need to begin with the fact that God knows us. The psalmist writes, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. God knows us from the moment we are conceived. He knows us better than anyone else. And this has always been true. You know, some Christians have thought over the years that the reason that Jesus came to earth was to know us and to understand us. It is said that Jesus had to come to earth in order to experience what it is like to be a human. So then that God would have this knowledge. But this was not the reason Jesus came to earth. God did not have to take on flesh in order to know us. He already does know us. Instead, God took on flesh so that we might know him. In Jesus, God is revealed. Before Jesus took on flesh, no one had ever seen God. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. He and the Father are one. And so if you've seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. For years, Israel struggled with knowing God. They struggled with their relationship with Him. They struggled with loving Him. So what does God do? He takes on flesh and He comes to earth. We sometimes say this was so He could die. But it's much more than that. Before God ever goes to the cross, He reveals Himself to us so that we might know Him. How do we know God? Well, we can begin by looking at Jesus. We can begin by picking up one of the four accounts of his life and reading it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell us about the life of Jesus. You know, why do we need 
four separate stories of the life of Jesus. That's kind of strange. You know, why do we have those four accounts in the Bible? Because this was the most important historical event ever. Nothing has rivaled the fact that God took on flesh and he lived among us. And we need all the information and details that we can get. We need this story. Because this is a story that changes us. It is a story that draws us closer to God. It is a story about love. And we're shown in this story what love is. And we're invited to love God in return. So this morning, I want to ask you, do you know God? I mean, do you really know him? Do you talk with him? Do you spend time with him? Do you read his word and continually draw closer to him? I hope so. But if you don't, it's never too late to start. To know God and to love God is the foundation for everything else we do. Let's pray. Father, we uh, humbly bow before you this morning and we thank you for this time of worship, this time that we're able to gather together and to praise you and to reflect on who you are and to read your holy word. And we're challenged by your word here in Hosea. We're mindful that we often get it wrong, that none of us have it all right. None of us are perfect. Um, and so we need your help. We need to humbly come before you, to humbly read your word and allow it to mold and shape us, to be open to change, to be open to correction. Father, we're so thankful that you were willing to go so far. We're so thankful that you were willing to, to take on flesh and to, to leave heaven, to come to this earth, just so that we might know you better, just so that we might see you and understand you a little more. And we're thankful that today we have those four gospels that we can go and, and read and spend time with. We're especially thankful for the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. And we pray this in his name. Amen.